Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans, Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson. This is the broadcast for Saturday, January the 14th in the year of our Lord, 2023, hour two at two, promoting God, family and country on your radio, Chris. Chris, you're on the radio, my friend. All right, we'll try to get Chris back. We're going to talk about the economy, believe it or not, this hour as we try to get Chris back on the radio. Uh, Man, technology always seems to break down at the worst times, doesn't it, folks? But you know what? It's okay. We're always able to talk about anything on your radio. Anything, because we have so many news articles to discuss, so many things to focus on. But the economy is front and center, Chris. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's what really most people are concerned about in their day-to-day lives. They just want to have a pretty solid economy. They want to have a job that uh, meets their day-to-day needs. And if they can accomplish that and watch the Super Bowl and watch uh, Monday Night Football, they're pretty content. <laughs> So, I don't know that I well, want to work. I just want to sit around, Chris. What do you think? <laughs> sit around, get that, me on a, get me on a universal basic income, a UBI. Let me just sit around. Let me be kind of like a Mark Knopfler and and uh, the folks over there. Um, money for nothing, chicks for free. I, I let me be like that, those guys. What do you think? Well, you can do that right Dire now. Straits. You don't have to wait until universal basic income is implemented universally. Uh, there are a lot of people doing that now. I know. Well, how do you afford people. it? I, I can't do that. I won't be able to pay my <laughs> you bills. Don't. It's not your fault, Sam. You were born blind. You have an excuse. You've got an alibi oh, to sit yeah, around. Good point. <laughs> man, man, man I, this has escaped me for 55 years. Right. Man, better late than never. <laughs> Ladies right. and gentlemen, this is, the, this is the sad mentality that America has embraced for far too long. Look, there's a bleak outlook for the 2023 economy. That's according to virtually everybody now, Chris. Yeah, so Joel Skousen, of course, we go to Joel Skousen because of his research. He does extensive research on these topics. He says, uh, he asked rhetorically, is 2023 the year the economy's bubble will finally burst? And I say no. But he That's says, a question mark he has, right? It's really yeah, asking everybody to, to ponder this. And is it is it really... The year that it's going to burst, and I agree with you, the answer is no. No. And, and, and the reason why is because we have a Democratic president in office, and they don't want it to collapse. And I use the word collapse a little guardedly because I don't th- – and Jill Skousen would agree with me. I don't think there ever will be a collapse, at least not as far as the international bankers would like there to be. They want there to be a slow crash, like a slow-motion plane crash. But think about yeah. Think about your tire that just just loses air really slowly. That's what they want because it's not jolting, yep, it's not jarring. You just look back two years ago and go, "Wow, I've lost a lot of ground." You look back two years before that, whoa, man! You know things just aren't the same for your kids as they are for you. And I'll show you a quick example of this. You know, I bought a home where I live in Utah County, Utah. 
uh, back in 2001, so literally 20 years ago, 20 whatever, one, two years ago, 20 years ago for the sake of discussion, and I bought it for 150 grand. It's basically a wow. starter home, a lot of people would say. It's not super fancy. It's, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice house. I'm not saying it's awful, but it's certainly not fancy. It's got everything you need, but it's not fancy. Uh, and I bought it for 150 grand. Do you realize that house is worth like um, about $600,000 right now? That's right. Okay, quadrupling yep. of house prices in 20 years is absolutely psychotic. Well, the point yeah. that I'm making is that, you know, you would say, well, that's awesome, Sam. You got some real wealth. Yeah, but if I sell it, then what do I do? Go buy a more expensive house? Okay, or look, my children, and this is the whole point, my children can't afford to live near me where I live. They would all love to stay, but they can't, so they're leaving, Chris. My daughter's yeah, moving to Texas in a couple of days. Uh, yep. My son's considering leaving and going somewhere else. And, um, you know, my other daughter's moving to Texas. And, you know, people are leaving. Yeah. And people have already left. My son makes good money. He had to move 100 or, or I'm sorry, 60 miles north of where I live in order to buy a home. My daughter had to move 40 miles to the south just to buy a home. Okay. But that was a few years ago. As it continues to get worse, now my kids can't even buy homes. You're right. So my son's going, what do I do, Dad? Should I buy a, um, like a fifth wheel or whatever and just park it outside of your house and inside of my you know, father-in-law and mother-in-law's home and live that way for a while till I can, you know, what should I do? The sad part, Chris, and I don't mean to take all day on this, but I don't have answers for him. Do you? Um, well, just be patient. Things will change. I'm thinking about going to Missouri, Sam. We've talked about this in the past. I can literally sell my home, which is on less than a fifth of an acre here in the state of Utah, and I can move to Missouri and buy a home on a 20-acre lot and have money left over to give you an idea of how expensive housing is here in, in a rural area in, in uh, Missouri. But there are places you can go, but even those places, um, you know, there's a housing bubble. And so Joel Skousen talks about, it, you know, he, he thinks that the housing bubble will deflate, which is starting to because of high interest rates. But as far as the economy uh, significantly uh, uh, experiencing a downturn in 2023, the answer would be no, because Joe Biden would, would get the blame uh, because he controls the White House. Uh, the Democrats control the Senate and the Republicans. They want to wait to, to skip to the, the point I'm trying to make, Sam. They want to wait, I believe, and I made this prediction with Donald Trump, and unfortunately I was right. I think they want to wait until a Republican is in the White House in order to pull the plug on the economy. But even then, Sam, I don't think that they will allow a, a gigantic crash to occur because, again, like like we talked about, they want everything to be so gradual that we don't respond radically to it. Because once they we are out of their control, they cannot uh, implement their new world order, uh, great reset. And that's what they want. They want to implement it, but they have to do it very carefully, very gradually, and very methodically. In order to do that, they need to make sure that everybody's on board and still has hope that restoration can be accomplished. But that will never occur uh, but I think that there's a possibility that it could, could get out of control. I think there's a possibility that um, people will wake up to the fact that our money is worth n hardly anything and that it's rapidly decreasing in value, which it is. Uh, and w you know when that's going to happen? When gold goes to two, three, four, five thousand dollars 
but it's not. It should be because that's its real value. If you extrapolate the value of gold out compared to the dollar historically, it should be a lot more than what it is in silver as well. But it's being artificial. You and uh, Brian Rust and uh, Kelly Finnegan talk about this all the time. It is being artificially suppressed. And he talks about that, Joel Skousen does, and he says that it will continue to be suppressed in value. So it may, may not even be a good investment necessarily, although eventually I think uh, it will. But let me talk about. All right, before we go to- on, I want, I, want to, I want to kind of educate the audience on something that I really believe is, is important. And I'll tell you where I learned this. I learned this in the Book of Mormon. I, I know you guys are going to say I'm crazy, especially those of you internationally and nationally. Uh, that You know, he, you say, I'm not a Mormon, Sam. Come on. And most of our audience is not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I get that. I understand. But I just want to give you the source sometimes for the things that I say so that you understand. The Book of Mormon, just so everybody understands, is another testament of Jesus Christ. It's a record of the people in the American continent, uh, just like the Bible is the record of the people in Jerusalem. It's a history of the people and God's dealings with those people. All right. Now, you may or may not believe in that book, but the Secretary of Agriculture, Ezra Tapp Benson, called it um, the Handbook for Freedom. And that's why I'm bringing this up right now. The Handbook for Freedom. Think about that. And uh, you could read the book my fellow Americans, not because you're Mormon, maybe you believe it or not believe it to be scripture, that's fine, but think about it from a tactical manual for liberty, all right? And in that book, what they teach is that the leadership, the Sadducees and Pharisees of the Bible, the kind of people in their society, okay? The leadership, whatever you wanna say, the lawyers, what they would do is they would gauge the people's views on things so they would kind of politely and whatever poll the people for their reactions to things and then based on that if they felt like they could get the people to go along with them they would do things that if they felt like the people would not go along they would be patient as they continued to manipulate and agitate the people so that the environment or the climate would be right amongst the minds and hearts of the people and the way it explains it it says we found out the minds of the people or the will of the people on a given topic. So I translated that into a modern-day English-American phrase that you'll be familiar with. Are the natives getting restless? Is the question. Now, here's the deal. They literally have a quotient, a factor, and they float trial balloons, and they gauge if the natives are getting restless. And they want to find out. So this example that we talked about last hour in Illinois about gun control. They did it in one state out of 50. They made a national issue out of it. They threatened law enforcement, and they're gauging the will and the resolve of the people. How native will the restless, I mean, how restless will the natives get is the question. Well, what they're really doing is doing that with the economy as well. And as long as they can let the air out of the tire slowly and the natives don't get too restless, They'll never be a crash. They'll just be a slow stripping of your wealth. If the natives get too restless, they'll turn to war. Write it down. Remember who told you first. Liberty Roundtable Live. I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life. 
from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did. And because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born, for looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Welcome back to Libby Roundtable Live with Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson. No relation to Tucker, but I wouldn't mind if there was. So we talk about slavery, and that's their ultimate goal, these globalists. And they are very powerful, and their agenda is being implemented. But they discovered a long time ago that voluntary slavery is a lot easier to maintain than involuntary slavery because you've got the messy thing about putting shackles on your, your wrists and your ankles and building cages and running after fugitive slaves. So they determined that if they can just master the minds of the general populace through propaganda that we talked about last week, they can control us and we can become our own shackles around our wrists and our ankles. So that's what they're doing. But let me put a a finer point on that, Sam. So just recently, and this ties into what we've been talking about, just recently, they mysteriously discovered some classified documents in the garage where Joe Biden was keeping his his um, Camaro, uh, not Camaro, his um, Corvette, baby, Corvette, baby, little Ooh. red Corvette. <laughs> now, of all the crimes of which he and his criminal family are guilty, they just have now they're waking up and, and getting a conscience and becoming concerned about his criminal activities. That is not consistent with what we've seen by the Injustice Department lately. So I think what they're doing is they're they're giving themselves an excuse to escort him off stage left. Now, of course, uh, the Republicans will uh, be very happy about this uh, turn of events, but obviously Kamala Harris will come out 
But I think what they're doing is they're they're going to use him. They use Joe Biden as a scapegoat for a lot of the problems that we've been uh, experiencing lately. Joe Biden will be deemed incompetent to stand trial, and his son Hunter will plea bargain down the most serious charges against him and get off with a slap on the wrist. I think both of them will basically, for different reasons, uh, get off of their criminal activities. And the Republicans will say, well, let bygones be bygones. Let's focus on getting our country back on track. So they'll be the getaway drivers in this whole scenario. Um, and I think what's going to happen, Sam, and this is my prediction, so write it down, people. I believe Ron DeSantis, who is being groomed, as you know, as everybody in this country knows, to become our next Republican president, will actually win the 2024 presidential election. And like I said, the economy will not uh, go down rapidly. We, they want to maintain a relative semblance of normalcy. But things will happen. A lot of, a lot of bad things will happen. But when, when the worst things happen, they want to make sure that somebody – will be blamed that is not a Democrat. They want to make sure, and this is a, a, a common thread throughout the his, political history of this country. They always, within the last 50 years at least, they always want to make sure that Republicans, conservatives, even though we know that they're not really conservative, they're not constitutional, but there are remnants of constitutional um, elements that are still associated with the Republican Party. That, that go back to our founding fathers, and they want to eliminate any vestige of any association of conservative values valuing the people. So that's why I think they're trying to discredit, for the most part, the Republican Party, because ultimately they want you know, the Democrats to be the political saviors. But they've got some messy work to go through, and I think that's what's going to happen now. So the good news on that, Sam, is that we'll have two years of relative peace and prosperity. I say relative because obviously, and whether or not we're in a an economic decline or a recession, well, that's already been determined uh, by precedent. That's two consecutive quarters of economic downturn, and we've already had those. But of course, they changed the definition of recession a few years back and said, no, no, that's, that's the old way of defining a recession. So we're already in a recession. So that question has already been answered. But uh, what we need to concern ourselves with is if these globalists really get out of control because they can't control everything. They think they can, and then their plan is, is um, well thought out. Uh, but, you know, just like everything else, the, the, the best laid out plans do not always unfold the way that their planners uh, design it to. Uh, and there's precedent in the past that demonstrates that sometimes plant things get out of control. The people will rebel a little bit more than what their masters want them to, and it will devolve into general societal chaos. And that's what they're trying to avoid, I think, because that doesn't make for very good slaves because then it, all heck breaks loose and nobody's in control. But Joel Skousen talks about some things that he predicts will happen. And let me just list those really quick here. Um, he believes that uh, uh, the spending uh, spending will probably continue uh, at pace because of government dispensations and because middle class and upper class people still have spending money. So as long as the, mo the money is flowing and then lower class people will continue to get handouts from the government, and that's important. 
uh, to keep the Keynesian economic system flowing, even though it's super inflationary. Yeah, because as long as the natives have enough food and TV, they're not going to be mm-hmm. too restless there, Chris. But let's talk about food. And I want to focus on that because I've got some quotes from, from an, uh, a geopolitical analyst by the name of Peter Zihan. Have you ever heard of Peter Zihan, Sam? I have. Okay, so he wrote a book called The End of the World is Just the Beginning. Mapping the Collapse of Globalization. So he uh, issued quite a few dire predictions in his book. It's about 450 pages long, and I've read some excerpts from it. So let's talk about, um, and Jill Skousen talks about the sabotage of food processing plants in the United States, and we've talked about this in the past as well. It is extremely coincidental that dozens and dozens of food processing plants, Sam, within the last two and a half years have mysteriously uh, been either burned down or seriously damaged by fire. And this is more than obviously a coincidence. You know, they're being sabotaged. And Peter Zihan puts a little finer point on the uh, instability of our world food supply. In these words, Sam, and I'm going to read word for word. He says, you can't, you can't, can't, I'm sorry, if you cannot get a widget, sure, you might not be able to manufacture a car. If the gas station runs out of fuel, sure, your life is going to be thrown into a tailspin. But if there's not enough to eat, you die. Your neighbors die. Everyone in your town dies. Your country dies. Far more governments have fallen due to food failures than war or disease or political infighting uh, combined. And it almost seems like a sick joke, but food is perishable. The one thing we absolutely must have is the one thing that can rot away in a matter of months, even if we are careful. Days if we are not. Food is fleeting, but hunger is forever. Anything, the long term is even more crushing. If the food supply system breaks down for any reason, you cannot simply manufacture more. Even quick-grow oats need three months from planting to harvest. He talks about different crops and how long they take. And you can starve if you don't get enough food within a a one month to maybe a month and a half period, depending on, you know, how much fat reserve you have on your body, which a lot of Americans have quite a bit. But people don't often think about our food supply because for the most part, we go to the grocery store, we get what we want, we come home, and we're, for the most part, satisfied. But he talks about how tenuous the international food supply is, not only based upon the fact that a lot of it is imported and exported, but because of the means of production have become so mechanized, Sam, that the means of producing food, even now in third world countries, is so dependent upon manufacturing. So if supply lines get disrupted even slightly, that will create a ripple effect throughout the world economy. And as you know, we are living under a world, uh, a world economy, economic system. There are countries that literally depend 100% on imports, and if those imports were cut off, they would starve to death. And he goes on to talk about that, that industrialization has enabled us to increase the total uh, calories grown by a factor of seven since 1945. And I tended to believe that. Think about that. Mechanization and industrialization has allowed the planet to increase it's total calorie grown, in other words, food production, by a factor of seven since 1945. You know, that's just, what, 70 years? 
And um, it's that delicate balance of industrialization and then the distribution of those manufactured goods throughout the world that the world depends upon for uh, mechanized uh, food production. You know, that uh, seven-fold increase since 1945 is going to revert back to its pre-1945 levels, which means people are going to starve. Doesn't sound fun, does it, ladies and gentlemen? Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman on your radio. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live, syndicated by the Loving Liberty Radio Networks at LovingLiberty.net. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jeremy Scott. California is bracing for yet another round of torrential rain that has already turned deadly with 19 people dying since late December. Another atmospheric river is getting ready to roll through today. State emergency management leaders are taking rapid action. To pre-position our resources and focus on those areas that we know in the next two to three storm systems over the next three to four days will be critical. Nancy Ward, director of the California Governor's Office of Emergency Services, says the impacts have been significant, calling it one of the state's most deadly disasters. With one to six inches of rain forecast over the next week, the agency is monitoring mudslides, erosion, and landslides along the central coast. FEMA has approved an emergency declaration for 41 counties. Several deaths have been reported after tornadoes ripped through Alabama and Georgia. The National Weather Service said some of the worst damage is in Selma, Alabama. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey praised the people of her state as they deal with such devastation. Typical of the values that we Alabamians have, that we just flat help everybody when we can. Officials fear the death toll may rise as search and rescue efforts continue across the region. I'm Dave Collins. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer making a request to the White House for the records from President Biden's visitor logs at his Delaware home where classified documents were found. Comer telling the New York Post that Americans have a, quote, need to know who has visited the president's residence. The White House says those logs would mostly show the comings and goings of his grandchildren. Ukrainian officials are reporting a new round of missile attacks in Kyiv and Kharkiv. The strikes damaged several buildings and sparked fires early Saturday. Attacks follow Russian claims that its forces seized control of the eastern Ukrainian town of Solodar. The Ukrainian government is denying that claim from Moscow. This is USA News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people... It's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true, the typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people, but what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, They'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before January 15th. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 
833-34-BIBLE. Ladies and gentlemen, we're sure going to need the power of love to save us. I'll tell you that right now. Wow. Literally, the natives won't get restless as long as you give them too much bread and circus, ladies and gentlemen. That's what they're depending on. But you know what? They're now starting to use the food shortage as a weapon. And you say, what do you mean, Sam? There's not really a big food shortage. Not right now, there's not. But it's a coming because all things lead to a food shortage. You'll see what we mean. Chris? Yeah, so 1920 in the United States of America, as a historian, I remember very distinctly being taught that 1920 was the year that more people uh, did not uh, have to work in the sector of producing food than in any other sector. So we had mechanized the production of our food to the point where more people could devote their time to building cars, to building houses, to building furniture, et cetera, et cetera. And since then, that ratio is has um, gone down to about 2% of the American population now is devoted to producing the food that the the other 98% consumes, which is a great ratio. That means we've advanced significantly. But because of the mechanized nature and because we we depend so much on uh, foreign supplies of food nowadays because of NAFTA and GATT and now uh, uh, USMCA, which was the recent global... uh, treaty that we signed with uh, Europe and other countries. Uh, we are literally dependent in other Hold countries. On. Pro- just America. a side note, just proving that Donald's is the board as everybody else. It's the next step, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget that reality check, okay? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, sir. That's right. Okay. Anyway, I didn't mean to get too far afield with that. So our food supply is, is tenuous in the sense that it, it is de- dependent highly upon technology. If that technology were to be cut off because of supply line disruptions, which we are seeing, uh, or manufacturing disruptions, then we would have to revert back, just like you and I were talking about over the break, Sam, we'd have to revert back to our old ways of farming, which are a fraction as efficient and productive as they were, which means we wouldn't be able to feed as many people. Either that or more people would have to be devoted to producing food, just like they did a uh, hundred years ago in this country. But let's talk about our dependency, not only on the manufacturing process and the shipping process, and let's talk about how dependent our food production is on uh, crude oil and gas reserves. Because we know that there are people literally in this country and around the world who believe that we can live in a world that uh, where gas and oil does not exist, Sam. And that is ridiculously that's a that's a ridiculous notion. Let me so let's go back to Peter Zihan in his book uh, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, and he talks about how dependent our food production is on oil and gas. Oil and uh, oil derived products are critical to all things agricultural. If they aren't present present in sufficient volumes, the tractors, combines, trucks, trains, terminals, and ships that are central to producing and transporting foodstuffs. And their input streams simply do not function. And forget the electrical vehicle craze, Sam. And this is this is important because a lot of people think that uh, all of these um, fossil fuel-based uh, machines can be converted over to electric, and then all, everything will be hunky-dory. 
He goes on to say concerning the electric vehicle craze, leaving aside the minor details that come harvest time, farmers are out in the fields 18 hours a day. And that's a bit of an exaggeration. I grew up in farming communities, and it's not uncommon for farmers during harvest time to spend maybe 13, 14 hours out in the fields. But anyway, he goes on to say that there's no battery system in the world that can handle that sort of outcharge with only six or fewer hours of in-charge, as well as the less minor details that the EV ships. Now, he's talking about transport ships. Uh, the EV, tra EV transport ships, which there is no such thing because they're completely and totally impractical. You, ne you never get across the Atlantic Pacific Ocean with an electric ship. Uh, and he goes on to say, could not recharge in the middle of a freaking ocean. I'm sorry, can I say freaking over the air? He goes, electrification yes, technology. Yes, sure okay. can. I just did. He goes on to say, electrification technology does not yet exist that can manage the high power-to-size requirements for either heavy equipment or long-range oceanic shipping. And that's true. So if we, if we decide that we're going to live in a post-fossil fuel era and get away with it, sure, as long as we revert back to our pioneer days where over 50% of the population was producing food. And if you want to live in that world, fine. Go ahead and live in that world. I do not. I enjoy the the luxury of knowing uh, that I can. I don't have to uh, work on a farm just to produce enough food to survive. I don't want to live that survivalist type of mentality. And then he goes on to talk about fertilizer. Did you know that most of the commercial fertilizers that we produce are dependent upon oil and gas production? He yes, says, they Remember, are. Remember how there's more to oil and natural gas than simply moving things around. Oil is typically the primary ingredient for pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, and fertilizers. Um, and he talks about natural gas being the, yeah, the main oil, oil is like the carrier or whatever else. It's what makes it basically uh, heavy enough to, to, to disperse and then to stick, right? Yes, exactly. And he talks about... You know, okay, great. We can probably find other sources uh, of raw material from which to make fertilizers. Well, that's fine. But before the advent of crude oil-based uh, fertilizers, uh, we before that, uh, our productivity capacity was one-fourth of what it is today. So, again, we're reverting back to a bygone era where most people had to devote their, their time and resources to producing food just to survive. And um, there is a war on oil and gas, as you know, and uh, Joel Skousen in his World Affairs Brief goes into some of the proposed um, gas, oil, and coal taxes that the Biden administration, in lockstep with the agenda of the New World Order, the, the Great Reset, is going to impose on the American people. Uh, $6.5 billion in natural gas taxes uh, over what we normally would, would tax, $12 billion in crude oil taxes, uh, $1.2 billion in coal taxes. These are all increases that he's proposing. And, um, of course, there's a corporate tax, and everybody knows that corporate taxes are not paid by corporations. They're paid by the people who consume the products that those corporations produce or the services. And yeah, then, because what you got to understand is corporations just simply put it in their products and services as part of the freight, so to speak. So you don't see yep. it, but it's there. That's why we pay it in reality. Yes, they might pass it along, but at the end of the day, we pay it because their costs would be less. Therefore, their retail, or whatever you want to say, 
would be less without it. So be clear, these corporations, these big business folks, products and services, they're just passing it along. We pay it in the end. And these um, taxes are eventually going to combine with inflation to be really, really hostile. Inflation is bad enough as it is. Uh, But when you start to add all these extra taxes or extra fees or whatever you want to call it along with it, uh, you're having trouble. Believe it or not, in California right now in restaurants, they're literally creating extra fees called inflation fees that are added to your receipt when you go out to dinner now. Did you know that? Okay, this is happening and this is real. It's not made up. It's real. Okay, so inflation is the core of the problem. uh, And uh, inflationary numbers are easily manipulated to where you don't see the truth, Chris. You don't. And inflation is one of the most insidious taxes, and it is a tax. You know, let's let's get that uh, cleared up right here and now, Sam. Inflation is a tax. Um, I talk about inflation. Okay, let me. I, I I really did a lot of research. Well, I mean, I've I've been doing research all my life about inflation, and I would like to clear up some misperceptions. The thing that you need to know about it, Sam, is that. Um, we had more inflation this last year than Americans had during the entire 19th century, a 100-year period, believe it or not. In the 19th century, and they have people that do this research, they determined that we had 7% inflation. This last year, inflation in that, uh, 2022 averaged 7.1%. So we had more inflation in one year than we had in the entire 100 years of the 19th century. Inflation is the direct result of the Federal Reserve's corrupt Keynesian economic theory of fiat money. It is the theft, it is theft pure and simple, and the most insidious form thereof. We had magnificent growth of the U.S. economy during the 19th century with statistically zero annual inflation, Sam. We could have similar growth with zero inflation today if we were to go, go back to a gold and silver-backed system that made us the most wealthy nation in the history of this planet, but the people simply refuse to see what they're um, they are doing to themselves. And I say doing to themselves because we live in a republic. And uh, I don't want to go too far off on that tangent, but in a republic, when things go bad, unless you're voting for a third party nowadays, Sam, you have nobody but yourself to blame for what happens. Amen to that. Voting. At the same time, though, the propaganda is pretty enticing is the problem ladies and gentlemen without understanding the founding era of our country without understanding the historical context without having the truth uh, on fundamental principles uh, the american people are responsible i agree but at the same time the propaganda is overwhelming of course unless you're listening to liberty roundtable live Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. 
That's American-Heritage.org. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live with Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson. We will continue on the thread that we uh, ended on last period. So we we talk about 7.1% annual inflation. That's bad. Obviously, it is. But the way they measure it is extremely manipulative. We've talked about this in the past, Sam. Uh, The real measure of inflation should be the same uh, means by which we measured it in the 1980s. And Tom Ozemek of the Epoch Times uh, applies this uh, approach to inflation, and he has determined that we do not have 7.1% inflation for this last year, 2022. We actually have closer to 15.2% inflation. If you do it honestly, like the way we used to do it in this country in the 1980s, more specifically. So I think that's a little high, Sam. I think it's somewhere between 7.1 and 15.2, but that's just my. I think it's uh, higher than both of you are saying, and I'll prove it to you. In 20 years, my house went up four times, Chris. Okay, good point. That's a that's a great point. Mine did too. Four hundred percent, my friend. Yeah. Divide that by 20 years. What do you get? Hold on. Divide that by 20 years. Okay. What do you get? Four times. Um, so 400 percent divided by 20 years, right? Divided by 20 years, yeah. Yeah. 400 divided by 20. <laughs> I'm doing it, Sam. I'm not a mathematician. 20. 400. Right? You could probably do 20 that. 20, yeah. Two I times two is I four at two zeros. So. Oh, my calculator's not working. Yeah. So yeah, 20%. it's 20% a year, my friend. And that's what yeah, the commodity that's like the bubble. most. But it's, <laughs> I don't care. It's the most expensive bill you have is your house it is so yes that's a bubble but you translate that to anything else and you go okay well what you know where do we go with that right yes it's the most expensive item even though it's a bubble and whether it's a bubble or not somebody has to have a place to live remember the four fundamentals are food and water clothing shelter and fuel without those things you're dead okay so uh, this is one of the four fundamentals that's being strict uh uh, that's taking the hit for this. So bubble or not, for the next guy wanting to buy a house, it's a reality, right? You can't get yeah. one. Unless yep. <laughs> your paycheck went up 20 times. I, I, I'm sorry, 400 times to, you know, in the last is, 20 years. 
which, which it did mine not. didn't even come close. No, sir. And what people need to realize is this is a form of theft. I mean, if somebody broke into your house and stole 20% of your goods in your house, your jewelry, your computer, your TV, whatever's worth, you know, taken off, you'd be outraged. But the government does it every year. Well, it's not the government. It's the Federal Reserve System, which is not actually part of the government. We've talked about this in the past. But the Federal Reserve System does it every year, and we worship them. We act as if they're doing everything they can to reduce inflation. No, they're doing everything they can to make sure that they have at least 2%, and in last year's case, 7.1%, or 15 or 20 or whoever's number you want to use. It is theft. It is criminal. It is wrong. It should be prosecuted. Congress, Kevin McCarthy, instead of talking about clearing Donald Trump's record, which his record is actually worse than what he's uh, suggesting it is, that he should be working on pressuring the Justice Department to prosecute the Federal Reserve System for theft over the last 109 years, Sam. But And he know he's not that dumb. He knows what's going on. Donald Trump was certainly a money man. He should have figured it out. Anyway, it, it makes me mad because it is clear theft. Under no uncertain terms can you not justify it as being theft. Uh, we, we think it's normal. And I've just proven in, in the 19th century, we had effectively 7% inflation from the beginning to the end of that century. That's less than, that's 0.7%. No. Anyway, All right, I got a math, math problem for you. A Big Mac okay. came out in 1967, the year you and I were born. Did you know that? I knew that because I listened to Liberty Roundtable Live every day, Sam. Yeah, and how much did a Big Mac cost in 1967? It caught, well, I know because you told me over the over the air. In fact, I went out and bought one that night for four bucks. <laughs> it was forty. You said it was at forty cents, thirty nine cents, forty five cents, my friend. Forty five. Okay, I guess my memory's not that good, but. All right. So, yeah. um, so nineteen sixty seven, forty five cents. Now a Big Mac costs over four bucks. The average cost in America is three dollars ninety nine cents right now. Mm -hmm. So the question becomes to you: How much inflation is that over the last? 55 years, buddy. Okay. I, I can even it's do that. It's certainly not 20 times, I'll tell you that. Right? 4.00 divided by... And in my mind, if I take 50 anyway. cents and times it by 10, it'll be 5 bucks. So it's not even 10 times. But here's the point that I'm driving at with this comment. Because yeah. they've been able to distribute food and create food faster, cheaper, better... Um, simpler distribution it that costs less the big mac costs less right yeah yeah see that's that's what i'm saying i don't think i mean obviously the big mac didn't go up as much as so uh, i can eat in my homeless houses. tent and i'm doing fine don't worry about a thing then chris we're good well i, <laughs> well, I can eat anyway and that's another point we, we should make joel skousen encourages us to to stock up why we still can and that's one way to beat inflation and I've, we've talked about this before, so I won't beat a dead horse any more than we have already had. But, yeah, stock up now while the food is not as expensive as it will be tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now. Yeah, and that's the only, is the only real long-term solution, ladies and gentlemen, is to start building facilities and start stockpiling everything you use. This affects, effectively eliminates your need for money in the future. It takes time to get this done, so you can't dally around and waste time, ladies and gentlemen. But these supplies are available now. 
And if you go ahead and put your money in some um, facilities or products or good, you know, things that you can use in stockpiles and everything, it's way better than to have them in the uh, paper markets when things fall rapidly and the value melts down. So this is the time to do your best to get the things that you need, a long-term storable food. You got to get beans, bullets, and Band-Aids. Uh, you got to get, you know, equipment like snow shovels if you live in the winter, for example. Yet you got to have the supplies that you'll need uh, to take care of your family, right? It's not only food and supplies and commodities uh, in that sense, consumables, uh, but it's things that you can use to protect yourselves and your families, okay? It, it, it's extra equipment that you might need uh, in a pinch. It's, uh, for example, if you have a well. Hey, setting your well up so that you can pump that thing by hand if there's no electricity becomes very important, for instance. That yep. kind of backing into the discussion provides solutions. And understand, my fellow Americans, this is Solutions Radio. So we don't bring up problems to you without having answers. Because what I don't like is when somebody complains and riots and has a fit about something, and, and then you go, well, what do you suggest? And they're like, well, I don't know. I never thought about that part. Okay, well, then you don't have any real, uh, in my opinion, right or room to complain. Okay, you've got to run things to ground. You've got to be a truth teller all the way through to solutions. What's my answer for this criminal governor in Illinois? Fire that sucker. That's the answer. What's the answer yeah. when it comes to uh, inflation? Putting yourself up in a position to need less money. Write that down. Yeah. Put yourself in a position to require less money because I don't care about an inflation on my shovel to take care of the snow. If I got a good snow shovel, I don't care what money costs. That thing's going to be just as valuable any time to remove snow, right? Okay, same with food, same with etc. Medical supplies, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but y'all get the point, I hope. Chris? Yeah, and that's the thing. And this is one of the points that uh, Peter Zihan, who we just quoted, uh, made he said food is only only last a matter of months. i disagree with that i've got wheat and this is interesting i've got wheat that i inherited and back in the day sam you know before people started to get a started getting nervous about the future and our future food supply i literally inherited entire food supplies from families that didn't think that they'd ever need them and that's just a sideline i want to make and one of those was in uh, a supply of wheat that i now have in my basement that i have made bread from that tastes delicious, that was grown in 1969, to give you an idea of how some foodstuffs actually last decades, rather than forget about months. And um, you know, I yeah, don't a lot of it has out. to do with how you take care of it. you got to be careful it doesn't mm -hmm. get weevils. I mean, we can go on and on. But uh, uh, you're right that if you do the right things, food can last quite a long time. It's really important, though, to learn to eat what you store. So I appreciate the guy that tells me he's got, you know, 50-year-old food storage and it's still good and stuff. But I like to use it and rotate it. And the more you know how to use what you mm -hmm. have, the better. It's one thing to say, I got all this. But if you don't know how to use it, if you don't have a wheat grinder, uh, it's going to be tough. Okay, yeah. you can you and can I've... put the wheat in water and make wheat berries and uh, add that to your foods. There's things that you can do without a wheat grinder, uh, but you really need the ability to use what you have, and that's kind of the point about the supplies that Joel Skousen, WorldAffairsBrief.com, is talking about. All right, what do we want to wrap it up, Chris, with? Well, let's talk about bailouts and bail-ins, and this is something that is not unprecedented. Um, bail the FDIC insures bank deposits for individuals up to $250,000. Wow, so my, my investments are safe because I don't have any more than that in the bank. 
Here's the problem with that, Sam. Do you know what uh, the FDIC has on reserve? They have $125 billion worth of assets on reserve with which they can use to bail you and me and everybody else that has deposits in the bank out if something unseemly like a bank run would occur. Here's the problem though. If you add up everybody's reserves in this country, this is uh, the United States of America over which the FDIC resides, there are $9 trillion of bank deposits with only $125 billion worth of assets to guarantee that $9 trillion worth. That's 1.3% of its In other words, they're making promises that they can't possibly keep. Right. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen. They're not going to be able to cover everybody's assets if even a small fraction of people decide to withdraw their funds and it creates a bank run and the banks are all out of money, which is not unprecedented. It just happened in the 1930s. You know, it's a wonderful life comes to mind, and you're going to have to handle it on the local level, community by community, yeah. and hopefully you have a George in the midst. Yeah, one of my favorite lines is, um, Mr. Potter, you never miss a trick. And that sounds, Mr. Potter is now our government, Sam, <laughs> and they never miss a trick. They've been planning these things. But here's the thing. Forget about the FDIC. Forget about bailouts. Let's talk about bail-ins. Do you know the difference? They're also known irreverently as haircuts, and this is not unprecedented. Well, in 2013, so that was a little less than 10 years ago, Cyprus had were, were facing potential bank runs because of economic uh, difficulties. The, the government of Cyprus literally stole $7.5 billion from bank depositors in 2013 by just basically saying we need to take some of your money to cover uh, our shortfalls and that happened in 2013 in the european country of cyprus and it can happen here in america sam and they're hinting they're hinting that joe would want to do that to your portfolio your retirement plan right now ladies and gentlemen be aware so we're flat out of time but ladies and gentlemen we want to focus on solutions and the answer is constitutional currency is the solution to the bailout bail-in inflationary fiasco chris take us home buddy yes sir without god we cannot win with god we cannot lose sam the battle for freedom is the lord's but we need to be engaged in that process lieutenant carlson and liberty loving patriots everywhere continuing our duty sir lovingliberty.net god save the republic